People like you, organizations like Rain Check, I love you guys. You are clear for takeoff runway 21 left. Winds are calm. Stand by for the retrans on uniform. It's showtime. Welcome to another edition of the Ramp Check Podcast. I'm Tony Rumfalo. I'm Aaron Rumfalo. <laughs> Sorry for the delay. I never knew going to go next. I'm Ryan Rumfalo. Welcome back, everybody. <laughs> I There's no delay with me because I always go first. Yeah, yes. well, because you're the oldest and it took you three times to get the intro right, but that's okay. We're, our, we're ready and rolling. Let's our, get rolling. Our <laughs> listeners exactly. don't need to know that. That's the magic of uh, recording a podcast because you can edit it. Oh, sorry. <laughs> so. I'll take that back. I'm just kidding. Not three times. It was only once. Yeah, we're... We're not recording live like Tony thought we were doing the whole time at the air show a few weeks ago. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Did you like my nice subdued intro to the podcast this time? Yeah, it was a little better. Yeah, it was good. I, I liked it. So before we get on with the meat of the podcast, not sure why I said that, but um, uh, so a couple of things um, I wanted to mention just from our last podcast talking about the best and worst aviation movies of all time um uh, dad gave me a call and he well this actually probably applies more to the aircraft challenge and anything but did you know that dad actually flew on a lockheed constellation mm-hmm. i from, didn't know that i didn't yeah i didn't know that i did not so. know that year years ago um he told me that he did and if i remember right it might have even been a twa constellation yeah could be wrong what he said they flew to uh north carolina and uh you know the cool thing about the constellation way back then is it was like this big marvel of flight it was a big passenger airliner and you could go across the country but you know to go from like long beach california to north carolina you know it's it like the advertising was you can fly now from long beach california to north carolina in only six stops on the same airplane (laughs) i know i know and it's like and the maximum capacity is like what an rj is today right it's so funny (laughs) i know It's, it's just crazy what technology is but but the thing that i wanted to mention from the aircraft challenge when we were talking about like movies with cool aviation sequences you know our honorable mentions and yeah. I can't believe you didn't say this, Aaron, but the first Transformer movie with Blackout and Starscream. Yeah, no, I, that's actually a good point. Yeah, no, that that is a good point. I I guess I just didn't even think of it. Um, yeah, well, I didn't weird, either. Ryan and I were talking sequence, about you're right. it. You're right. That's that's one of the coolest like intro sequence, you know, sequences to a movie. Right. That really yeah. is. That's pretty and, badass. And Starscream was what the uh, an F-22 in that one. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. That and I yeah, think that's no, one of the first cool. times. Just, the only problem is everyone forgets about that cuz after Transformers 11 and a half it, it they kind of got a little <laughs> I know, I know, I know the, Starscream yeah. gets uh less and less important and uh, Blackout gets killed in the first one. Yeah, so, exactly. Um yeah, but, uh, but wasn't uh, uh, wasn't Starscream like I, it might have been the first time for me ever seeing an F twenty two in the movies? Was it for you guys? Jeez, oh. I, I don't remember. Probably, yeah. I mean, I don't remember. I know in the 
the uh, the new Bumblebee movie coming out in the preview. Starscream is his old self in the retro F4 Phantom, which is pretty sweet. And I was going to bring up that too. Yeah, that's yeah. pretty awesome. Well, Have you, you seen that, you guys, right, Aaron? You guys remember what Starscream was in the original Transformers, like back in the cartoon 1984 days? No. Do you want me to tell you? Or you want to guess? Go ahead. Tell me. Yes. He was an F something. Uh, it was on the tip of your tongue. I mean, my tongue. <laughs> what? He no, just tell us. He's uh, F fifteen Eagle. Oh, oh really? Yeah. That makes sense. Well, yep, that's pretty Good old awesome. F fifteen. So, so yeah, so the first Transformers badass. movie came out July third of two thousand seven. The first one. Dang. Yeah, I know, right? Eleven years ago. Jeez, mm. oh, how time and I remember. Lies. <laughs> you remember, um, I was living in Arizona at the time, and I actually was up here vacationing. And remember, uh, me and the kids, and I know Ryan was there. Tony, were you there? We all went and saw it at the district, remember? <sighs> I think South I did Jordan, come up for Utah? that, actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we all went <laughs> <skip> last year. <laughs> <laughs> I guess you were, uh, you were either... What? I need to learn the mute button. <laughs> I I thought maybe you were disagreeing with what I was saying. No. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's got to be like the first uh time that an F22 Raptor was featured in a movie. It's got to be. Yeah, it's it, yeah, it it has to be because that that wasn't too far after when the when the Raptor actually became operational. Right. Um I'm just I don't know 100%, but I'm guessing it was probably 2005-ish when the F-22 um, became operational. I can actually look that up while uh Yeah, while you can check that here. out. And then, of course, in uh, the first Avengers movie, I think that's the first time, maybe I'm wrong, but I think that's the first time I've seen F-35s fly in a movie. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, true. Maybe. Yeah. Anyway, I just I just wanted to bring those couple. Oh, and I I uh, I had to do some fact checking on uh, the Concord Airport seventy nine movie when I was talking about that. Oh yeah, yeah. So the um, the scene in the Alps was actually filmed at Alta, not up at Brighton. So so. Oh, that's cool. Up yeah, at Alta, right. Huh? That that's up at Albion Basin where I got married. Remember? Yeah, up there. That yeah, area. That's cool. Yeah. So anyway, I just thought that was. Uh, Something cool. maybe noteworthy that I should have uh, maybe fact checked first before. <laughs> well, and and speaking of fact checking the Raptor, I just looked this up, and uh, the F twenty two Raptor initial operational capability declaration was December fifteenth, two thousand five. So I was right. Way to go, brother! Go ahead and pat yourself on the back there. Oh, I will. <laughs> that shit, I know. <laughs> All right, so uh, on this edition of the Ramp Check Podcast, we're going to talk about uh, some uh, cool news stories uh, that have come out uh, over the last couple of weeks. Um, one of our followers on our Instagram page, Nate underscore Barton, um, yeah, he's Jesse's uh, nephew, but anyway, he listens, he loves the <laughs> podcast, and he comments and likes our posts every now and then, but he sent me uh, cool. a message on Instagram asking um about uh what our thoughts were on the space force that uh trump created back on i think it was like the 18th of june uh so we're going to talk about that in a few minutes but um a few other stories as well what was that aaron oh nothing i was just i was just laughing because it's 
it's kind of cool to hear Space Force. Oh, and, I know, you know right? <laughs> yeah. And, and coming from President Trump, too, that, that either made everybody cheer or the other half of the country go, oh, my God, this guy's crazy. Yeah, a little yeah. bit of both, actually. Uh, do we want to talk about this now, or, or do you want to kind of tease what your stories are, too? No, that's fine. I mean, we can just we can just jump into this. Um, that's fine with me, because there's actually a really good... Um, the Air Force actually uh, tested a satellite-killing missile. It was called the ASM-135 ASAT, and is an air-launched anti-satellite uh, multi-stage missile that was launched from an F-15 at high altitude to destroy um, enemy satellites. That's cool. Um, and that's like probably like the precursor to all this because that was just, that was like forever ago. I'm trying to look at the dates on those testing on that, but I can't find um, the dates on that. But uh, it was a pretty major uh, milestone. And I know that it caused a lot of, you know, uproar with, with countries around the the world, you know, uh, right. specifically Russia, because this was like back in the eighties when they tested it, it was, uh, uh, back in 1982 actually. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I'm sure China was, was freaking out about it, but, uh, well, but anyway, Russia, cool. Russia is kind of like a hypocritical parent. It's like, <laughs> do as I say, comrade, not as I do. And uh, I think they were freaking out because we were getting that technology operational before they could, which is always the case. Um, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, gosh, you know, Russia's a hard read because it's like their their economy isn't nearly as strong as like what the U.S. is or what China is or, or even India, you mm -hmm. know? And so it's like Russia, they almost have to like act like they're this like – Kind of like that that little guy syndrome that drives the biggest truck, <laughs> you know. It's like right. Putin has to go around and you know roll around in tanks and and you know ride his horses with his shirt off just so he looks like he's badass. So it, like you know the whole country perceives as you know Russia's Russia's this badass superpower still, and and they are still very capable. They've got tons of you know nuclear weapons. They've got amazing you know technology. You know, right. their TU-160s, their, you know, their backfires. I mean, all these these aircraft that they still have. but That are modeled off of U.S. aircraft. I know. I know the TU-160 is just like a, mm. like a scaled-up version of a B-1. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, it, it would be cool if things could just be cooled only because Russia, Russia does come up with some pretty cool shit. And even though it might be a copy of ours or vice versa or whatever it's still like they if they could just get their shit figured out like they would be another cool big power in the world you know but there's always some sort of controversy or something going on that just kind of annoys you and it, i'm just kind of over it i'm just like you know what russia just get your shit together and let's all get on in the world you know all these countries uh, you know uh china russia i mean for God's sakes, right now, our NASA astronauts have to launch on a Russian Soyuz rocket to get to the International Space Station right? because past administrations completely fucked up and making sure that we always had a capability to get to space, at least to low Earth orbit. And, right. and, and they didn't. And they retired the shuttle program too early uh, without having another means of transportation, in my opinion. 
That was um, very short-sighted. Well, a, a huge sense of pride for me and patriotism was all kind of our space race. Like we talked last podcast about the movie, the right stuff and all that. And all that, that just gives me chills. And I love that stuff. And I love uh, JFK's speech about going to the moon. And anytime I hear a little excerpt of that, like I get chills and, and you know, in, I just don't know if I, I give a shit enough about the whole, well, money spent here and money spent there. Like it's a source of being patriotic and an American. We need to still stay in the space race because, you know, the we're just on Earth. We've got to know what else is going on out there, and we've got to explore it. And mm-hmm. people are going overboard, and all oh, Space Force means it's going to start space wars and all this stuff. Like, well, that's just no, 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 no. It'd be Star Wars. Yeah, have, <laughs> have a sense of pride in your country, and yeah, and, you know, like that's what it's about. It's about exploring. It's about protecting. It's about well, it's all those the it's the it's, it's the not. same thing of back like in the uh, it what was it in the 30s and 40s when the Army Air Force uh, when the Air Force branched off from the Army Air Force because yeah, the right, Army needed to right. focus on their theater and the Air Force needed to focus on theirs and the same thing with the Air Force you know it just kind of now NASA of course is there for space exploration and you right, know and all these right. these really cool inventions that have come as a, as a result of that but um you know a lot of people are saying that well here we go Trump is going to militarize space no 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 that's that's not the case um, if right. you think about about it, way back when, when President Johnson, or, or excuse me, President Eisenhower, was uh, talking about the space program, I mean, there were there were plans to like detonate a nuclear bomb on the moon to see what would happen, you know, oh, know. in in a in a vacuum, you know, without any atmosphere. I mean, so mil- <clears throat> space has always had a military aspect because if you think about it we've got our military satellites that are up there i mean so so if you think about the afghan and the iraq wars that have been going on if we didn't have the satellite technology that was guiding these super like razor's edge precise strikes how much more collateral damage would there be if we didn't yeah. have that technology well that that's the thing about space and the space program is so many um, amazing technologies have come out of it. You know, right. GPS, mm-hmm. um, lots of medical. Uh, I mean, you you name it. Like there are so many different technologies that have come out from the space industry mm-hmm. and and the space race and the technology developed. Um, you know, for these rockets and spacecraft and. And I mean, you look at like what companies like SpaceX are doing right now, you know, Elon Musk and his SpaceX, uh, you know, Tesla might be struggling, but, but, uh, SpaceX is, is just kicking ass. I mean, that Falcon heavy that was launched earlier this year was just mm-hmm. one of the most incredible things that I've ever witnessed in my life. I not in person, but you know, we watched it. Li- Ryan and I were actually together on that launch and we watched it live on TV, mm-hmm. you know, and you see you know the, the the two outer boosters land right back at the cape yeah, after almost, it launched it almost looked fake it was so cool <laughs> yeah well and I the know. thing is though that- is is the cool thing about private companies doing this 
is do you think for a second that our government would have and this is nothing against our government but but the point that i'm trying to make is about free enterprise that our government would have come up with a concept like that where we would have these reusable boosters that would just land well, on a platform it, 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 exactly and 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 to really you know point or i guess to stay on that you know another second is like so you look at what NASA is working on now and you look at like companies like SpaceX are working on right now. Mm -hmm. Okay. SpaceX, they do have big government contracts, which are paying for a lot of them. Right. So you can't, you can't like completely eliminate. I mean, the look, there's a time and place for government. Um, and, and that's fine. And that's the reality of the world. Um, and the United States specifically, right. that's where we live. Well, but, but, um, but, but hold on, let me finish this thought real quick. But you look at, SpaceX, they have to develop these things and be ingenious as well as make it as cheap as possible so that they can get more customers. Right. And by doing so, you know, their their technology, you know, right. uh, grows by leaps and bounds. When you look at NASA, they're working on a, on a rocket right now, which will be impressive. There's no question. But it's all based on, like, old concepts. Like, the boosters will, like, they might be able to be reuse but the whole middle core is just like like there's four old original shuttle main engines in the main core of this mm -hmm. rocket right and of course you can't reuse them you know um and it's just billions of dollars to launch this thing every time and you're just like well that's the, the focus should be more i i guess what i'm trying to get at and sometimes i have a hard time explaining myself on this stuff but it's like the focus should be more on innovation and cost savings, not how much money can we spend because that's the budget that we got. Well, that's the point that I'm trying to make is that with SpaceX being a private enterprise, they're going to have competition. And so yeah. they oh, yeah. need to do whatever they can to do it better than the other person, to do it cheaper than the other person. Right. I don't mean to devalue what they're doing, but cost-wise, <clears throat> they've got to do it cheaper so they can get these big government contracts and so they can do this stuff themselves. Could you imagine where we would be right now if a company like SpaceX was around like at the end of the Apollo program and people were constantly oh, trying yeah. to do this and this and this and this? I mean, we... Yeah. We may even have colonized Mars by now, you know. Yeah, well, I guarantee you, right. NASA astronauts wouldn't be launching on Russian Soyuz rockets to the International Space Station. Exactly, exactly, right. and the International Space Station might even look like the Death Star. Russian, and I have nothing against you know Russian cosmonauts and the Soyuz rocket. It's an amazing rocket, but it's like again, like what Ryan was saying, it's about pride and. You know, I mean, international collaboration is great, but when you're American like we are, I mean, you want to see us launching on U.S. rockets. You shouldn't have to <laughs> hitch a ride to space. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it's just, and it's million. I, I think we pay like, yeah, I think it's like 70 plus million dollars every ride on a Soyuz for each astronaut. It's like almost 100 million. Wow. So basically the extent of Lance Bass from NSYNC's savings account. <laughs> I guess if you want to put it that way. He's like, I don't know you pull NSYNC from, brother. <laughs> what? Isn't Lance Bass from NSYNC? I was thinking that's where the real Russian collaboration is, or <laughs> not the collaboration, but where the, 
the real Russian conspiracy is and screwing us every time for a launch on their uh, Soyuz. Do you think <laughs> once the countdown started, Lance was like, bye, bye, bye. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> oh, okay. Now I got it. <laughs> so, sorry, oh, we, got, we got sidetracked. So, the purpose of the Space Force, I mean, NASA... I kind of like think of NASA as like Starfleet where they're more like ex- exploration, you know, mm-hmm. um, and then, mm-hmm. of course, the Space Force having a military presence. But I mean, so basically, and this is a there's a great article on spacenews.com um, about, you know, the declaration that President uh, Trump uh, signed and kind of the story itself, kind of why we need a space force. And, um, I mean, basically the first mission of the space force would be to protect American space based assets against an enemy attack. That's kind of a given. Um, but then, uh, another example would be like cleaning up space junk, especially if there were some kind of, uh, uh, not really battle in space, like, but during military actions, destroying other satellites in that. And then, yeah. um, you know, farther down the line with uh, the U.S., other countries and private industries trying to head back to the moon or Mars, the Space Force could, like, take on a function of, like, the Coast Guard, you know, where providing rescue services, enforcing interstellar law. <laughs> and... Uh, you yeah, know, still law. right. And then, of course, the ultimate uh, defense against a threat from space. And I'm not talking Thanos. I'm talking like an asteroid or. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. right. It, it could be. You never know. But, um, you know, I don't think the Space Force, you know, we're going to start seeing like X-Wing fighters or, <clears throat> you know, like repulsor powered uh, helicarriers or. <laughs> I know. I know. You know. I know. <laughs> you know, the, uh, whatever the jets are that the Avengers use, stuff like that. I don't think you're going to see that, um, at least not right now, and like laser battles in space. But I think that the Space Force definitely uh, is something that we do need and something we're going to need, especially if we do start looking, you know, beyond the stars and our local solar system. So, here, here. Here, here. Here, here. I, I think here, it needs here. to be a really like a big collaboration between government and private enterprise, though. Right. Definitely. Oh yeah. Oh heck yeah. Have cool, you? Cool shit down there. Have you have, have you like read some of the conspiracy theories about this going on? Like, uh, there's like this secret space force that exists uh, that's been in existence long before Trump came into office. Did you guys hear about this? Oh no, but I'm I'm sure I can guess like <laughs> it's you, you know, know it's on. it's the deep state or whatever the hell you want to call it. Uh I got this from uh collective-evolution.com and uh mm-hmm. what's kind of funny is um like they've got all you know uncovered these so-called documents. Uh Gary McKinnon back in 2002 is that the WikiLeaks guy? I think, or somebody. Anyway, I don't know. I don't recognize the name. He said he found a list of non-terrestrial off-world officers of rank. He was unable to tell if they represent, represented the Air Force, Navy, or Army, but he found multiple pictures of USO, UFOs and fleet-to-fleet transfers of materials 
from uh, ship to ship. And then, like, there was he weird. Like in the in the WikiLeaks uh, release of emails, there was one in particular by a gentleman of John Podesta by astronaut Dr. Edgar Mitchell. And the email, this is actually kind of cool, which kind of makes it weird, but it says, <laughs> Dear dear John, because the war in space is heating up, I felt you should be aware of several factors as you and I schedule our Skype talk. Now, remember, this is, um, you know, an, an email so-called, or that they found in the so-called WikiLeaks. Or WikiLeaks. Mm-hmm. It says, remember, our nonviolent ETI... The letter's ETI, so I'm guessing that's extraterrestrial intelligence. Intelligence, right. right. From the contiguous universe are helping us bring zero-point energy to Earth. They will not tolerate any forms of military violence on Earth or in space. (laughs) (laughs) It's turning into a retro Art Bell episode. Right, I know. Dude. (laughs) Dude, you can't you can't make this shit up, right? <laughs> oh, I know. And and these people that talk about this, I mean, dude, they're like adamant that all this shit's true. And you know, it's funny. There has been weirder shit come true, so you just never know. I guess you never do, never do. I I still think that would be the coolest thing ever is just to have it revealed <laughs> that you know we've been working with these uh, extraterrestrial. <clears throat> Uh, beings and getting all this technology, but whatever. Yeah, so. that would be interesting. Well, you know, it's funny. It's actually kind of a perfect segue into one of the stories that I was going to talk about. Yeah. Um, and uh, um, apparently um, the government or the Air Force or whoever has been flying F-117s out at the Tonopah Test Range in Nevada where the F-117s were originally developed Mm-hmm. And where they were spotted all the time in the 80s, and everybody thought they were UFOs flying around. Oh, but, so they're uh, still flying them? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah there's a new, new vi- Yeah, I did. The new videos were actually just released. Two F 117s were spotted flying uh, around Tonopah. Um, their call signs were Night 17 and Night 19. And uh, they actually departed the uh, base out there. Tonopah met up with a KC-135 tanker, uh, Sierra 98. And uh, one of them came back and did like touch and goes and did a bunch of pattern work. And the other one like went off and did a mission and didn't uh, didn't come back for a while. So, um, which is so weird because the F-117s have officially supposedly been retired for 10 years already. They retired back in 2008. Well, yeah, um, exactly. I'm trying to find the X-Files theme. There we go. <laughs> yeah, I know. There you go. <laughs> but, uh, but it's really weird because in 2016, um, uh, U.S. government lawmakers, um, they wanted to um, remove the requirement that certain F-117 aircraft be maintained in a condition that would allow them to be re- recalled for war in case they you know, they needed uh, to Mm -hmm. be used. Um, But uh, apparently that's not the case. I don't think the final chapter, the F-117 is, is, uh, is written yet. I mean, what do you, what, what do you, what's your opinion? What do you guys think they're flying them for? I don't know. Maybe they could be testing some new type of technology or um, 
Yeah, I don't know. That that's that's just weird that they're supposedly retired. I mean, because they can't be cheap to maintain and fly. So, in my opinion, there's probably has to be some sort of you know like purpose behind it. Not go out. It's not like just going out and starting a car that's been sitting for months, so it keeps running. You know, I bet there's purpose behind it. Oh yeah, I I agree with that. I think um, maybe they're teaching those extraterrestrials how to fly our aircraft. <laughs> and they just picked the yeah, F one seventeen because it looks mostly like their spaceships. I, I, I don't know, <laughs> like their spaceships, or maybe <laughs> they're just reintroducing them to their spaceship. Right, exactly, because yeah. <laughs> they're you know the F one seventeens were the alien craft anyway. Um, no, but I think um, it probably. It, I, I think it makes sense what Ryan says. I mean, they could be flying them maybe as aggressors to test like a new. Um, stealth detecting platform, you know, maybe that we're going to use on one of our future aircraft. Um, yeah, but what? But wouldn't they you just use the F thirty five or or the F twenty two for that? Because the F thirty five and F twenty two are a whole new generation of stealth, and they're supposed to be even more well, stealthy than the F one seventeen. I don't know. Maybe they're testing well, out maybe, new avionics maybe. or some kind of technologies on the F one seventeen itself. I don't know. That's yeah, and maybe Good it's question. money, you know. I mean, I don't I don't know what it would cost to build or keep an F117 running compared to like building maintenance and maintaining a, like an F35 or an F22. So maybe it's just they're just throwing something on there to test and it's just <laughs> use those. I I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I one, one little theory that I had is is maybe they're testing um and going through maybe some methods on how to bring some aircraft that have been in storage back to life and to see how effective that is because um yeah there have been sightings off and on over the last 10 years of some f-117s flying so maybe these particular ones have been flying ever since the retirement you know we just haven't known about it Mm -hmm. but um yeah but anyway it's cool i mean that video on youtube i mean Everybody can go search on on YouTube and, and find that uh, video. But well, and the other cool thing to too is I remember seeing them fly at air shows. And, oh yeah, I mean awesome kick ass airplane. So oh, yeah, my other thought is maybe um, maybe they're using them to assist in the development for the new uh, stealth bomber. It could be, you know. Yeah, no, just, that that's that that is a good point. Um, that's true. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because yeah, if you I if you think about it, even though if they were Northrop developed, but right. you know you never you never know. Well, but the thing is, is is if you look at the shape of the aircraft, it's a lot more radical than like the F thirty five, the F twenty two, because the, even though even though those have some pretty cool, uh, you know, dimensions and shapes or whatever, though those look more like a traditional aircraft whereas the f117 does not so i don't know yeah maybe, maybe that has yeah. something to do with it yeah yeah sorry all Crazy. i thought of when you said it looked more radical thinking totally tubular <laughs> <laughs> but i know what you meant <clears throat> right cool well, thank you brother. yeah interesting so it'll be interesting to see um you know to follow that story oh, but well, anyway um yeah Speaking of videos, um, I don't know if you guys saw it this morning, but 
how eerie and spooky is it that video that DC 10 dropping the retardant like in that neighborhood in California? Um, oh, yeah, yeah. That did falling, you guys see that? Oh, yeah, like, following the, the citation jet. Yeah, the, the spotter jet. Oh, I know. Well, so, what's eerie about it is you see this house, the roof of a house, and you see this little like mountain ridge, and this little CJ just comes cruising through, you know, spot follow the way and then all of a sudden you see this huge silhouette of an aircraft and you just instantly know it's a dc-10 and that thing gets so close to the ground and it just drops off you know they're trying to save those homes and i know those tankers are just awesome those new tankers that they're converting those jumbo jets to dc-10s and and uh, 747s into these tankers i mean it's perfect yeah think about it yeah, it's it was it's just such an eerie video, and it's cool to see those firefighters, and it's cool to see aviation take such a part in in uh, trying to control those fires, which is really sad, by the way. But oh, yeah, no, that's awful. But yeah, no, it's awesome. So, I mean, the fire is awful. The DC-10 video is awesome. So, does the um, does is the citation just like the leader aircraft just to kind of show them you know, like a pathfinder yeah. for them? Is that what they're doing? Yeah. So like when I worked um, at, at the airport at the FBO, like whenever some fire attack crews would come in or helicopter crews, there was always a, I, I don't know if they called him the fire boss or the air boss or mm-hmm. what, but he, he had an aircraft and, he would always kind of go up and spot the areas and runs that the guys would need to drop drop the stuff on. And uh, in that in that video, it's like that citation jet is maybe even like just a lead jet to kind of show the DC-10 where it needs a strafing run to be or something. But um, there's always a couple of aircraft up there just kind of like running things, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, there, there's that. That's actually very typical. Like when I, I worked at the airport down in Arizona. That that was a tanker base for for the last two summers that I worked down there, and and just witnessing some stuff up here over the last few years too. Yeah, there, there's always like a lead aircraft that kind of flies the path that they want the tanker to fly uh, to follow uh, mm-hmm. to dump the uh, the water the retardant. So that's that that's how those operate, and then that way the the fire suppressing aircraft doesn't have to, uh, you know, try to navigate everything on their own because they want to try to be as efficient as possible. Well, the other thing, too, I would think is uh, they don't want to have to make any last second, you know, drastic reactions either. I mean, that's a big airplane. So if you've got a Pathfinder <laughs> yeah, in front of it. You know, you don't want them have to, you know, make any crazy maneuvers. So, yeah, that's a yeah. that's a cool video. I just watched it again. That's just crazy. Yeah, it is. So that that was. I mean, I have something else I can talk about too. But that was kind of one of my stories I wanted to bring up was just how cool the aviation presence was in in firefighting. Yeah. Oh yeah. Did we did we talk about this on a previous podcast? They had that big fire down here just outside of uh, Cedar City, Utah, and uh, they had to stop uh, airdrop operations because dumb sh- some dipshit was flying a drone around the fire site. Oh did you... my gosh, I heard about that. Yeah, <sighs> it's like 
Yeah. Anyway, so I just I I can't I can't believe that. That's ridiculous. Hey, don't fly a drone around a fire. Period. I mean, I would. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, I'm sure. Maybe I'm wrong, but maybe he didn't think that it was gonna have such an effect on. Him. Maybe he was just trying to get a overhead view of the fire, and you know, maybe he just didn't think before he actually acted because. You know, yeah, what a dumbass isn't that, but I can see myself maybe like going out there and doing that to see how far the fire is and see it from and then be going and then realize like, oh, shit, they have airplanes flying around here, you know? Yeah, I mean, well, but, you know, I guess he missed all the billboards that said flying a drone (laughs) around a fire is like a federal offense. Don't do it. You know, maybe. Well, the, the whole common sense thing. I mean, there's helicopters <laughs> flying everywhere, and you know, right? I, I'm sure there's okay drone pilots, but all the drone pilots I know, they're big, big fucking idiots. So I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I'll just throw, I'll just throw that shit out there. Alrighty right? then. And I'm sick and tired of drone pilots saying that they're pilots. It's like, dude, you're a drone pilot. You're not a pilot. So <laughs> you're not a you drone fly pilot. A glorified remote control airplane, for God's sakes. Now, I'm not taking light of you know the Reaper drones and the shit that you right. know and, and whatever. There's there's military drone pilots. There's civilian drone pilots. But um, no, I don't it's... really know many drone pilots, but the ones that I do. If your if your if your drone came from uh, Best Buy, Walmart, <laughs> or Costco. You're not a fucking pilot. <laughs> you're, yeah. You're you're flying a little hovercraft with an Xbox controller. Even some of the more glorified drones, like you know, some of the yeah. you know, bigger military grade ones. I mean, it's it's still a video game. It's still a remote control airplane. Right. That's what it is and whatever. I I I won't go into more than that. Right. Now there are some really really cool RC aircraft out there. I mean, these guys yeah, that that build these scale versions of C5s and 747s and stuff and and they actually have like not. these these ducted turbofan engines in them. I mean that's just insane. That's so cool to me. But yeah. you're not going to see a guy taking his model aircraft and flying it out at at a at a fire. So <laughs> Well, hey, if he puts a little retirement can assist. <laughs> I know that'd be Could funny. You- I've you see this little red puff come out of this model airplane? It doesn't hey, even well, hit the ground. That's how the Forest Service should put out campfires when they <laughs> put on a restriction for campfires. Oh, right? no. Buy this little... Just have a, have a drone with a little solo cup they can dip in a pond. <laughs> so so speaking of uh speaking of fire safety i guess we're kind of kind of on that subject um now i know that we've dried up quite a bit down here in southern utah but i know uh you know we've had a bunch of thunderstorms down here we've had a bunch up north uh as well it's kind of that time of the year um, for Utah, you get those monsoonal storms that start to pop up. So uh, I thought we'd have a brief discussion about uh, safety on the ramp. Does that work for you guys? Yeah, definitely. So yep. 
you know, you want to be really careful when you're working on the ramp, especially if there's thunderstorms. And a lot of airports are very, very strict. They'll make you cease any ramp or fueling oh, operations yeah. when there's a thunderstorm within so many miles of the field. Um, yeah, you wouldn't want to like a close lightning strike when you're uh, refueling an aircraft. That probably wouldn't uh, wouldn't work out too well. No. No, actually, yeah. lightning are line guys' most favorite thing because it means they don't have to do a damn thing. <laughs> they can they can go back to the office yeah. and start playing pens. Oh yeah, at least a lot of the guys I worked with, um, you know. Oh, we can't fuel as a lightning warning. Go out and tell that there's a lightning. There's a lightning warning, and you know it's protocol. You have to follow it for safety. You know you can't be out there working on the ramp when there's lightning. I- been inside in a lightning warning and lightning struck the ramp out at the end of the ramp and it shot about a, a gallon-sized milk jug full of concrete into the air <laughs> oh damn wow and you could see the hole out i mean loud like you were in the building and it was so loud and you just saw it and you you saw the spot and you saw all but lightning's a pretty uh Pretty powerful, freaky thing. Oh yeah! So I was working the ramp at Salt Lake International. We were over on the air, uh, the uh, passenger side, and we were doing the groundwork for or the ground ops for Frontier. So we were turning one of their aircraft, offloading and up, up unloading bags, and there was uh, there was a warning, but they hadn't closed the field down yet. And I remember we were offloading this aircraft. And everything just turned bright purple. I mean, we were just bathed in purple. And before the light was gone, we heard the thunder and felt it. And uh, I wasn't even in charge on the ramp, but I got everybody off the ramp right then and there around that aircraft. And uh, we sat it out till the storm passed. That was crazy. (laughs) It's scary. I mean, what I didn't like about lightning was, you know, at the time being, like in charge of the ramp, the supervisor is backed up, you know, fuel orders backed up, requests backed up. So as soon as they lifted the restriction, it was like, you know, it was like, oh, so, it was, hell broke loose. Oh, yeah, it was like know. someone got out on the had a green flag and went, go! <laughs> I know. It <laughs> starts running around. <laughs> well, Ryan, I think you need to tell your little unique story about your lightning experience. Yeah, you've um, beat around the bush long you, enough. Brother. Yeah, you've kind of beat around the bush <laughs> a little bit too much. I, I had a lightning story? Yeah, no. I <laughs> know. <laughs> Maybe you forgot already. Come on, Sparky. Yeah. Well, the funny thing is, um, the truth about it is that I do have some um, gaps in my memory from that day, but... Um, yeah, and you know, and when I tell this story, it's important the listeners know that, you know, it's it's not like I was Thor and this bolt of lightning came and hit me in the chest and ah, and then I I'm all smoking and hitting the ground and yeah, it wasn't that kind of a lightning strike, but it's still a pretty cool story. Well, um, but but tell everybody about your superpower that you have now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My fingers, they sparkle. <laughs> yeah. No, go ahead and tell um, your story. No, anyway, so I was just uh, working the ramp a, a pretty regular day. Um, You're in Salt Lake City, right? Salt Lake City International Airport. Um, you know, there there were... I never actually got 
to get my hands on any the surveillance footage, but there was a airport ops agent that said that you know uh, you could see the lightning strike when it occurred and and everything. But um, yeah, I was just working the ramp. It was all day, um, nothing too exciting, just kind of routine type day. And I'll always remember it was a, it was a. I do remember it was a saber liner we were towing. Um, and it had kind of been raining a little, but nothing really hard. Lightning warnings, there was not even any thunder. So it was just kind of a, a day where just, you, you know, you're kind of wet most of the shift, but nothing too bad. And uh, uh, a buddy of mine that I used to work with, um, you know, he was the one hooking up to towing the aircraft, and it kind of started raining. And I felt bad because he was out there doing it, and helping him so i'm like you know i'll go throw him it started raining so i grab an umbrella um and at millionaire we had these umbrellas with like aluminum shafts on them and it i don't know why we got those it's got like the perfect for conducting electricity yeah like (laughs) and on the top of it it's got like three to six inch point prong (laughs) on the top you know and and they're pretty big umbrellas and so I go out there and just, I'm like, and the tugs, they're the bucket seat uh, tugs, or not bucket, excuse me, bench seats. Um, So you sit side by side when someone goes with you, um, meaning that your hips basically, Um, they're not the two separate seats. And I just told that I was going to stand up and just hold the umbrella over him. We were just moving it from our number one spot, like over to our row four, our row one to row four. And we started towing it. And I, at this point, this is when I just kind of remember flash. Um, and it actually conducted enough electricity and current. I was holding the umbrella to where it shot sparks from the shaft of the umbrella, like <laughs> threw it in my hand. <laughs> and uh, the guy driving the tug was kind of like, what the hell is going on kind of thing. Um, he looked like Palpatine trying to kill <laughs> Luke yeah. in Return of the Jedi. And I remember at first being kind of like Poppins, a little bit in shock, no pun intended, intended, like with what was happening and all of a sudden, like, I don't know. Like the only thing I can really describe is when I was like a teenager and we to grab those electric cow fences just for fun. <laughs> yeah. Just to feel that shock. You just kind of feel that jolt and it, and it doesn't feel good. Um, you know, and then afterwards, you know, there were pilots that were sitting in the cockpits of the aircraft that saw it and they're like coming out, you know, the line managers coming out like, okay, you know, and, did it and, knock you out? Uh, I Didn't don't you... think it did, but I don't remember. I mean, this happened back in 2000. I, oh, what, I remember you telling me, Ryan, that um, when all of that happened, you remember the guy sitting next to you was like going, oh, ah, ah. And, <laughs> yeah, and yeah. Then, <laughs> it freaked him out. It freaked him right. out. And I, but then, I think once I kind of came to and everything, like I was feeling like really nauseous. Right. And, and well, wasn't your numb arm, your arm numb, uh, the the arm that was holding the, the umbrella, and you woke up and you're, like, freaking out because you can't feel it or something? It was, yeah. And, and 
And, and there were paramedics that were trying to calm you down because <laughs> it'll come back. Well, when I was, I, and when after I was at the hospital, right. what it was is they they hooked me up to an EKG because I guess the the strike that happened is common with uh, golfers where they survive because um, it's not it's not like a direct strike where you absorb all the right the. Mm-hmm electrical current you just kind of get a little bit of it because a lot of electricity builds around a lightning strike and and i did have a lot of pain in my arm the way you're referring to aaron is doctor was like well you know in some cases there are nerve damage and she's like you should get feeling back in the arm like you know (laughs) if you don't in like four to six weeks you know come back you we need a follow-up appointment and so i was kind of freaking out a little bit you know because i'm like I'm like, she said should. She wasn't like, oh, yeah, you'll get the feeling back. But, you know, they just ran like a bunch of tests on me. And it was actually kind of an in-and-out visit. They didn't even keep me overnight. Um, Yeah. Kind of told me I was lucky and to be careful and kind of pat me on the butt and out the door, you know. But (laughs) Well, uh, Ryan, I remember you telling me that after the last – Excuse me. The next thing you remember after your coworker freaking out is you woke up and you were laying on the ramp and everybody was like standing around you in a circle staring at you. <laughs> yeah, you know, and, and this is where like some of the like uh, gaps in my memory. I I do remember telling you that and I'm thinking about it now and I don't know if it was just like. <laughs> The electric discharge, I'm just having a hard time remembering the specifics <laughs> right now. And, you know, that could be from the shock of it all, like, you know, something, remembering some things better than others. But it was right. It was definitely an experience for sure. Like, my, nick, my nickname around then became Sparky. Um, <laughs> you, uh, you know, I mean. And, and if I recall, you went through a divorce not long after that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but i don't think it was strike but yeah um yeah no it was uh and that's just one of the things that, like i think about and I think about how lucky i am how lucky i was and i just think like you know when you guys are out there working the ramp there are a lot of people out there who just there are a lot of people that all oh, that never happened to me oh there's a lightning within five miles just just finish what you're doing you know and it's like you know some people are lucky and some aren't so lucky so just take i mean mother nature she's she's a harsh bitch sometimes and she <laughs> can do some <laughs> yeah <shit. laughs> oh, yeah she so can. yeah well, just and- be careful and and remember when i'm telling this story there was no lightning up to that point in that day at all like wow it it just kind of came out of nowhere so that was without a lightning warning so you know watch the weather listen to your warnings um and just be careful like it's uh it's it's crazy yeah so there you go it's all about it's all about safety too so you know it's kind of like what we talked about in in a couple of our first episodes is you might be getting pressure from a supervisor, from management, from a pilot, you know, from from anybody else. Uh, Oh, no, we got to get this done. We got to get this aircraft launched. If there's lightning around the field, 
be smart because remember it's your life that's out there on the line while you're on right. the line, so to speak. Oh, yeah. definitely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. Sometimes some people just aren't wrong and you just have to be like, well, this is our policy and this is what we do, you know, sorry, but <laughs> you know, no one's life is worth, you know, gassing up the aircraft. Oh yeah. No, definitely. Yep. I so, yeah. Just be smart. So uh good episode, brothers. We're uh, currently running about 58 minutes, so we're not running long this time. Yay. Wow. Uh, good. I know, right? So well, uh, before we wrap up, Aaron, what do you want to say? Oh, well, we're doing the aircraft challenge, oh, right? Geez. I was going right. to say, we might be at 58 minutes. You might have spoke too soon. We got southeast region to do. Dang it. I totally <laughs> forgot. Go ahead. Let's do it. Let's see. i got to right. pull it up on my phone here. Okay, here it is. So... We are on the last region, which is southeast, until we move into the next round. So, first round buys for this, the A-10, the C-141, and SR-71. So, okay. those cool. ones are automatically through, and now we okay. got to uh, push through a couple of these. So, uh, our first round matchup we're going to hit is the A-380. And it's going up against the F-86. What do you guys think? <laughs> Tony, you want to go first? Yeah, because I know what your answer is going to be. Um, <laughs> yeah. So the A380 is a true marvel of an aircraft. That thing is so massive. I've I've seen one take off and land. Do you, do you guys see all those aviation pictures uh, that are posted like at that In-N-Out Burger at LAX? Yeah. 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 So I was, I was at that In-N-Out and had got to watch a couple of those things fly over and land. Those things are massive. And they fill those things up from Asia to the States, you know, and, and other, other places, which is really awesome. I just... The F eighty six is uh, is one of my favorite airplanes. I I fueled a bunch of them uh, when I worked for Majestic, especially when we went out and did the Wendover Air Show. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the A three eighty is is definitely a modern marvel. Um, I'm more of a Boeing fan than anything, uh, so I my conscience won't let me vote for the A three eighty. So it's the F eighty six, F eighty six Saber. Yeah. Huh. What about you, Ryan? Do you want me to go, or you want to go? Um, well, I mean, we'll, we'll all take turns. I, I, uh, I, I can pretty much just said like the A three eighty is crazy to see, but um, it's kind of sad to see it go. And you know, we make jokes about oh, it's scare bus, and the A three eighty would be one I would definitely jump on the opportunity if I could fly on it. Um, and it's cool, but I'm gonna pick the F eighty six. Oh, I'd, I'd fly on an A380 if I ever got the opportunity. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. It's it, it's not that the A380 is not cool. No. Um, I mean, the F, obviously, the F86 is awesome because it's, like, the perfect, like, next generation, you know, of the – basically, it's, it, it's a P-51 with a jet engine and swept wing. I mean – that's pretty much what happened. You take that huge Merlin V12 off the front, put a jet engine through the middle, sweep the wings, and uh, there you have an F86. And yeah. 
love the F-86. It's awesome. I remember seeing them fly when I was a kid. It's just cool. And even to this day, um, you know, watching an F-86 is awesome. I mean, it's loud, it's fast, and you can just see why it did so well, like in the Korean War. Oh, yeah. Uh, when yeah. they were when they were mainly used. But And the whole thing about the A380 with me is, is when Airbus developed the A380, they're like, oh, well, it's going to be better than the 747, and it's blah, blah, blah. And it's just like, you know what? Nothing's going to be more beautiful than a 747. Nothing's going to be better looking than a 747. And uh, the A380, as impressive as it is, but it always, like, leaves, ugh, I just... I can't look at it and just be like, oh, I love that. It's just because of what it stood for and what it was. And the program's actually in trouble right now. Uh, there hasn't been any new orders on that aircraft for a long mm-hmm. time. Um, and uh, and its main um, airline has over like over half of them on order still. <laughs> so is that Emirates? Like if that, one, if that the one airline, amount of them? did you say Emirates? Yeah. I think it's Emirates, right? Yeah. Well, if they canceled their order, the A3 program would be dead. Yeah. So it's, absolutely. it's just like, I don't know. And, and it's cool to see the 747 continue so successfully as a freighter. Um, just at the Farnborough air show, just last week, the week and a half ago, 747 freighter got five more orders for the freighter version which is awesome good um and so it's it you know it has a backlog of several years still um and with car the cargo market uh growing every year again um the 747 uh freighter is probably going to keep going uh which is cool the not so much for the uh the passenger version the 747 8i intercontinental but um But uh, we'll see the new uh, Air Force One for the U.S., you know, flying around the president. That'll be, I'm sure, an Intercontinental 747. But anyway, sorry to go long on that one. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> F-86, definitely. Okay. okay. F-86 it is, um, without elaborating. <laughs> yeah. We can get through it. Um, but you made a lot of good points there, brother. Um, yeah. Next, we have the classic Spitfire and... Concord. I'm definitely going to pick Concord on this one. Um, okay. I never saw a Concord fly. Uh, I have seen a Concord um, in California, or not in California, in uh, New York, actually, mm-hmm. um, where they have one with the um, Intrepid Museum. Oh, that's right. Uh, aircraft carrier. It's right next to it, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a lot smaller than I expected, actually. Right. When I first saw it. Um, I mean, it's big. It's it's a good size, but it was a lot smaller than I had expected. I don't know why. Well, I um, think it only had a max passenger capacity of like 100 passengers, right? Yeah, it was yeah. small. Oh, yeah. And, and the windows <clears throat> are so small on it and, and uh, awesome. I mean, it, it's just that, that would have been cool. I remember, and Ryan, you may have been with me um, when when um, we would check this, but remember on the that... Um, app on the computer at the FBOs, we would check for incoming aircraft. Well, you could check. Um, it's kind of like that Flight Radar 24 app you can get on your your phone oh, and yeah. everything now. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. But it was I forget what what the app was called, but it was a program and everything. And it was probably tr- it was probably Flight Explorer. That sounds right. Yeah, yeah. that does. Well, sound right. the one or Flight Track with two X's. Mm-hmm. The I Flight Track. But yeah, anyway. That, 
Yeah, there were multiples, depending on what FBO you were at. Uh, mm-hmm. It was different, but but I remember tracking those Air France and British Airways um, Concords um, flying over the ocean, and the speed on it would be maxed out at nine nine nine. Seriously, it was so cool, and the uh, altitude be maxed out at fifty nine nine nine. Oh yeah, flew it sixty thousand plus. Yep. And, uh, you know, flew at Mach 2, of course, at cruising over the ocean. So mm-hmm. I but, totally yeah, remember that. Definitely Concorde. Love the Spitfire. I mean, that, that whole scene in Dunkirk with the Spitfire and it landing on the beach was just gave me chills. And I love the Spitfire. And without the Spitfire, England might be speaking German these days. But, uh, <laughs> you know, Concorde definitely just because of what it was. Yeah, okay. All right, I'll go second. And okay. uh, I agree with everything that Aaron says. That scene in Dunkirk was awesome. Um, I have seen a Concorde fly. Uh, and when I say the scene in Dunkirk, I'm talking about the Spitfire. Sorry, I want to reiterate that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was like, I don't remember a Concorde. <laughs> Do you remember the Concorde in Dunkirk? It was in the deleted scenes. It was the coolest ever. Um, but... Uh, uh, seeing a, I saw a Concorde fly at Salt Lake International. They were doing a tour of it around the state since, and they were trying to uh, get it approved for uh, transcontinental flight. Uh, but the sonic That's booms, cool. uh, sonic booms, ultimately uh, stopped that from happening. Uh, but uh, and then I've been on on board one up in Seattle uh, at the uh, Seattle Air and Space Museum up there. Uh, and of course, it broke my heart uh, to see that video of the Air France Concorde uh, disaster, which uh, oh was yeah, out of Charles de Gaulle. Mm-hmm. I know that was a crazy video, and those people film it flying over the freeway, and it's got that huge flame behind yeah. it. Yeah, oh, yeah. It's just, and that you yeah. know that everybody that on that airplane is going to die. Uh, it's just horrible. So yeah, I yeah. mean, I, it's, well, it's a it's a given. It's it's definitely the Concorde for me. Okay, well, I mean, I'll go last. Even yeah. though it doesn't matter, pick the Concorde, too. So. Gotcha. All right, what's nice. next? All right. Uh, just to give you how idea how hard the next round will be, the Concorde is going to go against the A-10 next round. <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh, um, all right, next round, we got a couple of old World War II aircraft. We got uh, B-24 going up against the F-4 Corsair. Hmm. Mm. Cool. Ryan, you're first on this um, one. Ever since I first laid eyes on the Corsair, I just loved the aircraft, the wing design. Um, you know, when I'm really little, it was one of the ones I could really pick out because of the design before I knew all the technical stuff. Um, I love the look of it. I love the sound of it. I do think, obviously, the B-24 is awesome, and the history of the B-24 is is pretty cool, but... I'm going to pick the Corsair. Nice. Definitely. Tony, you want to go next? Um, yeah, sure. So I was a big fan of... Um, do you guys remember that TV series that was on TV? <laughs> oh, the Black Sheep one? Baba Black Sheep. Remember that? Oh, dude. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I used to watch it all the time when I was a kid. Oh, yeah. And uh, it follows um, Major Greg Pappy Boynton. Anyway, oh yeah, yeah. definitely. So, uh, no, I de- definitely. I mean, I, 
I actually, uh, when I worked at Phoenix Mesa Gateway Airport, mm-hmm. I, and I think I mentioned this on another podcast, but um, the Black Sheep Squadron from that day, they fly, they flew Harriers, and now they fly the F-35. But um, Oh, that's but way they ac- cool. They actually flew Aviate Harriers, and I serviced the aircraft all the time when they'd come in. And they still had aircraft that had happy blank inside of the aircraft. Oh, that's awesome. Which is cool. That is really cool. <laughs> so, that's yeah, way that, cool, yeah. Yeah, so do you guys know that John Larroquette was in that series? He was? <laughs> yes. John Larroquette. Is, is, wasn't that's, he like, in Night Court? Yeah, yeah. that's oh, the yeah, guy dude. right there. Yep, he played Second Lieutenant Bob Anderson, uh, who oh, was a pilot. Funny. From 76 to 78, which I think was the actual length of the series. So he was on the whole series. That's too <laughs> funny. Interesting. That's, uh, but yeah, I have um, to go with the Corsair, definitely. It's just a cool, kick-ass looking airplane. I love the B-24 Liberator, but I got to go with the... Uh, um, yeah, right. I got to go with the Corsair. I'm definitely going with the Corsair, too. I mean, that yeah. cool, like, gullwing design... Um, the huge radial wasp engine in that thing, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it just, it, it kicked ass. It, you know, it destroyed just tons of, you know, enemy aircraft over in the Pacific theater against Japan, you know, the whole black sheep story. Um, okay. it, you know, definitely the, uh, for you Corsair. All right. Corsair's moving on. Cool. Um, last one. And this, in the southeast before we can move on to the next round which will be obviously next podcast um but this one tony will go first again but this one i'm glad i'm going last because i really have to think about this one you got the b29 and it's going up against the f15 oh dude yeah so tony you're back to you going first Ah, uh, so the Super Fortress, huh? I love both of them. This one's mm. going to be hard. <laughs> I know. Jeez. Yeah, so... Gosh. This is I tough. know. How, how do you this... break this one down? Right? <laughs> I mean, I've got... I know, right? I've got two words. Enola Gay. I mean, what... <laughs> what? I know. Okay. Enola Gay. <laughs> Yeah. So the uh, the B twenty nine they did a lot of testing um, out at Wendover with this. In fact, it was staged out there. I believe that. Um, yeah, the Enola Gay did their yeah. uh, bunch of their training out yeah. at that Wendover Army Airfield. Exactly. So um, and they've got one that's at the. Uh, in fact, the the Enola Gay itself is fully restored and on display at uh, the Udvar-Hazy um, uh, Smithsonian. Space yeah, Museum. exactly. The and I've been there, there yeah. and I've seen it, and I have pictures. Maybe I'll post some of my pictures from there on our yeah, Instagram Yeah, you totally page. need to. Yeah, that would be a good idea. <sighs> you know, the F-15, can't we have a tie? <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, it's only going to get harder as it so might. I know. So the F-15 is one of the badass one of the most badass looking aircraft. I think the F-15, in my opinion, is like the last of the operational aircraft that have the really um, 
the what am I trying to say? The really sharp right angles, like for the wings and the tail, and you know of that of that yeah, era it looks like of it aviation. Was designed for air combat, exactly. It's so badass. The Eagle, the Eagle Two, but I mean, look at the history and where our world is today because of the B twenty nine. Now I know there's there's probably a few you tree huggers out there. Oh no, nuclear war and blah blah and all the lives lost. Yes, that was that was tragic and horrible, but that was something that was necessary to end World War Two. But yeah, I just think uh I gotta go with the B twenty nine just because of what it represents and, and I love the look of the B twenty nine anyway as well. So <sighs> is killing me because the f-15 is like i think its kill ratio is like 150 to none (laughs) (laughs) so you're saying uh you're saying he's undefeated (laughs) it is undefeated and and you know correct me if i'm wrong but it's probably the only current combat aircraft fourth generation and older that is undefeated wow that's true. Yeah, That's I mean, a good it's, it's to fact check that and yeah. reply next podcast. Yeah, definitely. But uh, Israel has been successful with it. The U.S. Air Force has been successful with it. Uh, those are the two main operators. I know there's others like Japan, uh, South Korea, um, Singapore, I believe, has F-15s as well. But there's probably a few more. But um, gosh, that's a tough one because, like Tony said, the Enola Gay and how it, it ended basically ended world war ii um at least the pacific theater um Mm -hmm. you know which sent a ripple throughout the world that you know the u.s was willing to do whatever it took to to save lives because ultimately that's that's what the the atomic bomb was about in world war ii it was about saving lives because Mm -hmm. the u.s had to invade japan oh my god could you imagine it, how awful i mean that would have the, been? the amount of life loss on both sides would have just would have been unreal yeah and so that's why it was necessary and that's why i understand why it was used mm-hmm. um you know to to the families that lost loved ones and that were harmed by the atomic bomb i mean obviously my heart goes out to them i mean what a horrible thing to have to go through especially since it was the japanese you know government that basically was forcing that war and mm-hmm. you know but i mean unfortunately there is you know collateral damage and, and death in, in war and and that's kind of how it was in world war ii um but god i i don't know i you know what i'm gonna have to flip a coin on this one i'm actually gonna get a quarter out of my bag because <laughs> i love the f-15 and the b-29 equally um so I've got a quarter here, and I'm going to go uh, heads F-15, tails B-29. Okay, one okay. second. One second. Hold on. Okay. <laughs> okay, flip that coin, brother. Okay, coin is flipped, and it is tails the B-29. Oh, awesome. <laughs> I probably would have. I mean, you guys both said so much about both aircraft. Um I remember that time we went to Expo, they had out at Salt Lake International, and uh, uh-huh. the F-15 did that climbing performance. Um, oh, yeah. From takeoff, and it held the record, like, ground to, I don't remember, 1,000 feet, and I 
I don't even know if that's been broken. I'm sure the Raptor probably could break that now, but um, at the time, it just held all sorts of climbing records. Um, I I really do love the F15, but I probably would flip a coin. Probably did a lot of justice against the B29. So um, B29 moves on. So there we go. Outstanding. There we go. And there's right. actually two B29s flying. Um, there's uh, uh, Fifi, um, and then the other one I believe is called Doc, if I remember. They just barely brought that aircraft back to life after just years and years of restoration. Uh, so now really? there's there's two flying uh, B29 Super Fortresses now. God, well, you know what? I'm looking at the second round of the Northwest Division, which I'm guessing is what we're going to cover on the next podcast. Yeah, that sucks, doesn't it? <laughs> Holy. Uh, yeah, we won't. Let's not even reveal these. Maybe we'll make people go back and listen to a past episode to see who made yeah, it. Yeah, let's, uh, let's keep because there's tough ones in there for sure. But, second round of the uh, Northwest Division coming up uh, on the next podcast. God, that sucks. <laughs> yep, and we're down to 32 total now. So wow. this round will get us into after the next full round, we'll be in the Sweet 16. So we're getting there. All it's fun, right. guys. Oh, yes, definitely. <laughs> hey, so I got some really cool statistics about the F-15 real quick, okay? Okay, all right. Okay. What you got? This is the F-15A and C. So th- this is the air-to-air vehicle. This is the aircraft that was designed for air superiority, okay? Um, it's 102 kills to no losses. Wow. And wow. the Gulf War, the U.S., 32 to no losses. The Gulf War, Saudi Arabia. Uh, there's another F-15 operator that I, I forgot to mention. Uh, two kills to no losses. Uh, Northern Watch, uh, U.S., uh, two kills, zero losses. Uh, Kosovo, four kills, zero losses. Um, Syrian border clashes. This is Israel. 19 kills to zero losses. Um, the, the Lebanon War... Israel kicked the Lebanese's ass, 38 kills to zero losses. Also, another Lebanon war, four kills to zero losses. And um, Saudi Arabia also shot down an Iranian jet, uh, one kill to zero losses. So, yeah, the F-15 is pretty amazing. Um, (laughs) Yeah, so it's undefeated. (laughs) So, anyway, there you go. All right, Aaron, thank you for sharing that... uh... Oh, you're welcome. Excellent information. Um, uh, go ahead and uh, so yeah. Now we're running a little long, but uh, so yeah. it's, it's almost time to say goodbye. But before we do, Aaron, where can everybody find you on social media? Yeah, so Instagram is the best way to follow me. I'm at Aaron Rumfollow, and then also through the Ramp Check Instagram, which is at Ramp Check Global. Um, yeah, follow me there. I'm always posting all kinds of stuff. Um, love aviation, love my wife, my family, all that. So, yeah, follow me those places. Sweet. Ryan? At Ramp Check Global. Um, it's just at Ramp Check Global as well. But uh, at Rum Follow Me on my personal Instagram account. Love to have you guys follow, listening to the podcast. And we're going to keep putting them out and keep rolling. And as usual... Hopefully you can tell a friend and get him to follow us and join us. Cool. Tony, All take right. us out. All right. I will take us out. 
Thank you, Cap. Anyway, <laughs> engage number one. <laughs> uh, you can find me on Instagram at trumfollow. Uh, also, I also post under the uh, at Ramp Trek Global Ramp Check Global not Ramp Trek <laughs> Trek. We're not I, going on a hiking trek. I knew I was going to screw it up. Um, I know. But uh, find us on, uh, of course, all of your uh, podcast uh, devices, Apple Podcasts. Make sure you give us a five-star rating. Uh, subscribe to the podcast as well and uh, share it with your friends. Help us spread the word out there. But we're also available on SoundCloud and uh, Google Podcasts as well. So... For the Ramp Check Podcast, for Aaron, for Ryan, I'm Tony Rumfollow. We'll see you next time. Later.